Ongoing education seems like a funny phrase to me. Because in some way to me that that connotates that that at some point we stop, at some point we've hit our limit, at some point we've gotten enough education. And, and then at some point we pick it back up again. We never stop learning. We never stop being trained. We never stop being equipped. We never stop growing. We never stop growing. I'm 50 years old. And I'm telling you right now, I, I don't learn any less today than I did 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. That training, that equipping, those things that are poured into us for the sake of growing us are important. And I'm going to read a scripture where the word um, discipline is used again and again and again. And as we read this scripture, I want you to know I've already read you the definition for it. It's equipping and training and education and correction all for the purpose of growing. Now, for our young people, I I need to give you guys the heads up. I need to be completely fair. I'm stirred up. Okay? I'm really focused right now. And so if, if you guys can't refrain from talking, I need you to move right now. I need you to move somewhere so that I don't have to call you out on in front of a global audience of millions. Okay? Because I'm stirred up. And, and adults, don't, don't let me be the one to call them out. You call them out. We need to be growing. We need to be learning. We need to be sharpened. We need to mature. We see in Ephesians that God gave gifts to grow us. And those gifts were people. It was listed as, as five functions. The, the apostles, the evangelists, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher. Those were called gifts for the purpose of growing us. And it says that those gifts are in function and operation until we reach full maturity. And we're not there yet. None of us are there yet. We're never going to get there. We're never going to get there until we breathe our last breath here and we are in the presence of the Lord. We are constantly growing. We're on the final week, week four of a four-week series on submission. And I want to read the definition, and I've read it every week, and I think it's beautiful. And this week, I really want to focus on the second part of this definition, which is in a non-military use, it's a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. It's a voluntary attitude, which is a beautiful thing, you guys. In our culture right now, we live in a, we live we live in America. I mean, we have freedom. We're not forced to do very many things. 
And I'm telling you, with our God, we have the opportunity to voluntarily come to him and to humble ourselves and to have this attitude of grace, this attitude of hunger, this attitude of growth, this attitude of humility to cooperate with him. God, God, God has really unique thoughts, really specific thoughts about you, about ways that he wants you to link arms with him and to cooperate with him. He has really unique thoughts uh, about you on ways to bring you fullness and fulfillment and life and identity. The idea of, of carrying a burden, of, of assuming responsibility in carrying a burden. I'm just letting you know the reason, like, I'm feeling so stoked up and that, that flames have been just fanned into flame in my heart is because I carry a burden. I carry a burden. I, I want people to know Jesus. I was recently having a, a good conversation with a young person, and we were talking about God and religion and knowing God. And and this young person said, "You know, I, I you know, I know that religion's your life, and and I just don't have the same, you know, passion for religion that you do." And I listened because that was kind of like a midpoint in what he was saying. And I waited until he spoke some more. And I said, hey, I'm not trying to argue semantics, but I just need to make a point really clear. I'm not passionate about religion. I'm not. I think religion has some good things. I think religion can unite people in some cool ways. I think I think religion's not a bad thing. I think religion can be a bad thing. But in all in all, I don't think religion's a bad thing. I think religion's really been used to draw people together and to point people to God when it's done right. I said, I'm not passionate about religion. I'm passionate about Jesus. Jesus is my friend. I know Jesus and he knows me and he, and he names me and he lifts me and he draws me and he comforts me. I am passionate about Jesus, not about religion. I'm passionate about having that relationship and spending that time with God. And then I made this comment. I, I used friends of mine as an example. I said, they're my friends. And I, I, I listed off some of my friends. I said, they're friends. They're great people. They're great guys. I'd love for you to be friends with them too. But the bottom line is, you're never going to be friends with them unless you nurture a friendship with them. And they're great friends. They'll be a great friend to you. But until you nurture a relationship with them, you're not going to be friends with them. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Until we nurture a relationship with him and realize that this is not about religion. This is not about catechism or obligation. This is not about some funky obligation. This is about a person, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you and I. And so when we talk about voluntary submission it's that we have him in mind. That we have him in heart. You guys, we live in such a selfish culture. It's just ridiculous. 
we live in such a self-focused, self-centered culture where no one's corrected anymore. You're not getting your way? Blow something up. You're not getting your way? Start a fire. You're not getting away? Tear down someone's small business that they have built for years. You're not getting your way? Just be loud and angry. And then we'll give you the way. It's like being in the the grocery store and there's a little kid. Daddy, I want I want I want candy. Mommy, I want the candy. No, it's too close to dinner. Not, you know, not yet. We have candy at the house. You can have candy later. Not now. I want candy. They start screaming and throwing a fit. It drives me nuts when parents give in to terrorism. They give in to child terrorism. <laughs> and they're like, okay, just just be quiet. Here's the candy. And we see that all throughout society because everybody wants their way. And I'm telling you, this thing that, that we do calls faith. Faith in Jesus is totally contrary to everybody getting their way. Faith is, God, I want you to have your way. Faith is, Lord, I yield to you. I yield my will to you. I want you to be right. I want you to have your way. Hebrews 12 is a fantastic chapter. Hebrews 12 is incredible. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Romans 12 is awesome. Hebrews 12 is awesome. I want to read a little bit from Hebrews 12. And I want you, when you hear that word discipline, discipline, What's contained in that word is what I described. It's the whole training, and this is the actual definition, the whole training and education of children relating to the cultivation of minds and morals. Included in this are commands and admonitions, reproof and punishment. And it also includes the training and care of the body, the soul. So Hebrews 12, uh, I'm going to start at verse 5. So verse 5 and 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, and he quotes now Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one as he each one that he accepts as his child. I don't want us to get lost in, in, this, in, in this message and only hear discipline and miss the more important thing that he's talking about sonship. He's talking about he's treating you as he would his own child. Young people, when, when, I, when I sharpen and challenge you, which I just have done this morning, do you think I don't do that to my own kids? I love you. And so I will sharpen and challenge you and encourage you and point you to Jesus as I would my own kids. And every adult in this place would do the same. Because we've, set, we've seen that example set before us. It says here that he only disciplines those he loves. He only disciplines those that he calls son, daughter, that he calls as his own. Verse 7, 
as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Clearly, the writer of Hebrews never went to that grocery store that I was just talking about. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and that you're not really his children at all. Verse 9, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever and live and really live is what they're saying. Shouldn't we even more so submit to God and truly live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. He only disciplines us for good because our God is good and only good. I love that it, that it says, hey, our, 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 our fathers disciplined us the best they could. And, and they did so for a while. But God's discipline is good and always good. You know what? One thing that I have learned as I get older is that, that we're not all a bunch of cookie cutters. That we all have different temperaments. We all have different personalities. I mean, and there's a lot of really good resources out there to help discover your temperament, your personality. Why certain things motivate you? Why certain things really drive? And why certain things push your buttons? They're like There's really good tests out there and curriculum out there so you can go, okay. This makes sense. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who feels this way. I'm not the only one who's motivated by this. I'm not the only one who's, who experiences sorrow through this. I say that to say we all lead or correct or love or communicate in different ways. Now, you guys have the blessed provision of the Lord in having me as one of your pastors and I lead the way I lead and I love the way I love. And when I challenge and when I correct, I do so because I love Jesus more than you. And I want to point him to you and I want to represent him. And that is, that is probably one of my most consistent prayers. Lord, let me represent you. Lord, let me not say things that aren't you. And when I knew, when I know I've got to wrestle with something, I'm like, Lord, I'm feeling this. Are you feeling this? Because I don't want it to just be me. Verse 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living or righteousness for those who are trained in this way. So now we see the benefit of submission to God. A peaceful harvest of righteousness. A peaceful harvest. A fruitful bounty. A cornucopia of God's goodness that's just rooted in peace. Submission to God leads us to bearing fruit that resembles him and reflects him.
So when I mention fruit, in any certain passage of Scripture come to your mind as I talk about fruit? Pretty likely, maybe it's Galatians 5 that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That last part, there's no law against these things. Do y'all know what that means? It's a curious phrase. There's no law against these things. What does that mean? Here's what that means. There is no law or no goodness that you can enact that will bring about these things. There's nothing you can do on your own or through religious following to bring about these fruits. The Holy Spirit produces these fruits. The Holy Spirit brings these things about. Earlier in this letter, in chapter 2, Paul wrote this to the church in, in Galatians 2.16. He said, we know that a person is made right with, with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. That's what he writes, Paul writes earlier. And now in this instance, he's saying the Holy Spirit brings about these fruits. Okay, so, so the next verse, we read 22 and 23. So verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit. Let us follow his leading. Let us follow him. You guys, if we want godly fruit to be in our lives, we've got to follow the Holy Spirit. We've got to submit to God. We want his fruit to be evident in our lives. We've got to willingly volunteer to lay stuff down. And and what Paul says here is to nail the passions and desires of this world to the cross to nail them to the cross, to say, Jesus, I give you not just the the horrible desires, not just like the really ungodly desires. Lord, I, I give you that pride that just wants my way. I give you that selfishness that just always insists that I'm right or that I meet my own needs. I nail that to the cross. Pride is something that that we've constantly got to be nailing to the cross. Saying, Lord, I want you to be right. I want you to have your way. 
there's a passage that's familiar to a lot of us. And it's powerful. And I'd encourage everybody, let this be one of those scriptures that we memorize. James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, but God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the, the proud. He keeps at arm's length the, the, the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In talking about submission today and in closing out this series, I'm talking about humility. And I I challenged our young people, like, after worship, and uh, I didn't specify that I I was speaking to the larger realm of young people, not just to to these young people. But I I said, you got an uphill uphill battle. You got an uphill battle because this is the most selfish generation I've seen yet. Because you're told that you can have everything. That you don't have to pay a price for anything. You want it, you got it. Take it. And it's created a bunch of selfish people that are going to turn into selfish adults. They're going to turn into, I don't know what. But it troubles my heart. I'm telling you guys, you have an uphill battle. So I, I want to challenge you with this. You have one of two choices. You can try really hard. You can give it your best effort. You can just give it all you got to be moral, to be strong, to fight temptations, to fight the lies, to not agree with the garbage that the world throws. You can just try really, 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 really hard. That's option number one. Or you can submit to Jesus and let him be your strength. And let him be truth. Because he is truth. To let him liberate your soul from the heavy things. Am I the only one who's concerned about the times we're living in? Am I the only one? There's no way I'm the only one. I hear it time and time again. As a matter of fact, our conversations are no longer about movies because... Up until recently, movie theaters weren't open. We couldn't talk about movies. Our conversations weren't about sports because some some sports still aren't playing. I mean, the the things we used to talk about because we enjoyed, not just because, you know, they were like trivial things, but like, you know, I enjoy movies. I enjoy sports. We don't talk about those things as much because a lot of things just aren't currently a, a part of our lives and our culture and our world. But I hear people again and again talk about how concerned they are, how worried they are. I guess here's one thing that I'm pretty thankful for. I'm thankful that I know who I am in Christ and that I know I love Jesus. I love him. And so I don't mean this arrogantly. I really don't. But I don't care if this offends any of y'all. I don't, I don't care if this upsets us, all of y'all, if all of y'all and all of y'all were all upset, I don't 
care. Because I love Jesus and this is what he is wanting to say right now. This message of submission is not one that is common to our culture. Every week, every week, and I've told you this again and again, every week I tell somebody, someone asks me, what are you preaching on this week? And I tell them submission and it's always the same response. Uh Uh-oh. This is not a message that, that our culture embraces. But I'm telling you right now, if, if we don't continue growing and training and being equipped, and if we don't toughen up our sensitivities to being offended, we're going to be a whole lot more vulnerable to fall for the lies of the enemy in this, in this age more, more so than ever. First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, First Peter 5, 5 through 7 says this, Likewise, you who are younger... So younger people, I I want you to hear this scripture. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to, be submitted to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We humble ourselves and we just cast these anxieties. We cast these cares upon the Lord because we know he cares for us. I'll tell you this much. I know, I know my heart towards you and I know my heart towards the Lord. I know what the Lord speaks to our eldership team and the things that he is saying that he wants to grow his church in. And I know I might not feel much like a gift at this moment. And, and y'all know, you know, those of you that we have relationship, you know that we, we have friendship and that I take friendship seriously. But bringing this message right now about humbling ourselves in the, under, under the wing, under the protection, under the covering, under the grace and the goodness of God. This is a key message in this time. The last scripture I have, Ephesians 5, 20 and 21. says, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence from God. So, Robert, how would you respond if Katie, in a really thoughtful delivery, said, Robert, I I need to challenge you with something, man. I need to sharpen you with something. And she just brought it. Would you receive it with humility? Because see, this passage I just read says that we are to submit to one another. That we're to submit to one another. This is not about hierarchy. Yes, I, I read the passage about submitting to the elders, but I'm letting you know right now that we submit to one another as the body of Christ. I submit to you as a part of the body of Christ. 
We are to submit to one another out of reverence to God. Reverence to God, that's a big thing. I talked about knowing, like, you know, knowing who I am. And, and I, I tell you, I don't always like everything about me. That's for sure. I like a lot of stuff about me. That's for sure. But I'm telling you, one of the things I value is honor. And there's certain things that it stirs up within me. And I, I don't necessarily like what it stirs up within me. I see videos of, I mean, I, I am all about honoring Elders, like the elders, like the elderly. I just am. You want to you get me fired up? You want to see? Then you dishonor the elderly. That fires me up. And, I, and I, every now and then I'm watching something, and next thing you know, it's a video of, of some crazy irreverent kids with a bullhorn yelling at old people, interrupting their dinner, yelling at them, doing whatever. I just want to hop on a plane and go beat the tar out of those people. And I haven't been in fighting for years and years and years and years. I can't remember the last fight I've been in. I was a young, immature man last time I got in a fight. It was probably college. Soon thereafter. I don't know. It's been a while. But that fires me up, like dishonoring the elderly. You know what fires me up is dishonoring women. Dishonoring girls. That fires me up. Dishonoring our flag, that fires me up. But I tell you, the thing that fires me up the most is dishonoring God. And there's times I have to remind myself that the Lord's not asking me to be the freedom fighter for for him. Like, hey, you know, Mark, go, go beat that person up because um, they're dishonoring me. That's not what he's asking me to do. He's asking me to love and to pray and to have grace for, but also since he has put me in this position as being a gift of encouragement and sharpening and growth, I do have a voice and I have to let that voice be heard. I've got to point you to the Lord with my voice and I'm telling you right now, reverence for God is huge because he's worthy, he's deserving. With a heart of gratitude and love and an honor to God, Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Be teachable. All of us. Where's a mirror? Be teachable. Be teachable. Be teachable. Be trainable. Be equipable. Don't be a know-it-all, man. I, I, I get it. We all think we're right a huge majority of the time. That, that, we probably are. We probably are right a huge majority of the time. There's a pretty good chunk that we're wrong as well. Be teachable. Be growable. The thing about this message on submission that, that I understand where the ball's in your court is it's the voluntary part. Is that that no one can make you do it. I can't make you do it. You're the person that's close to your best friend or your spouse or your mom or your dad. They can't make you do it. You got to do it on your own. I got to do it on my own. I've got to 
voluntarily submit. I've got to voluntarily cooperate with what God wants for my life. We're told in the book of John that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. But God, Jesus came so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. So that's, that's what I desire for y'all. That's what we all desire for each other. And when you, when you have a moment, when you make a moment, when you take a moment, read a little bit earlier. Actually, I'll, I'll read it now. It's, I'm going to go to, to um, still in the New Living, living uh, Hebrews 12 again. Verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially this sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. He is now seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. We keep our eyes set on the Lord. You know what that tells me? To win this race, I don't have to, I'm not looking at the race. I'm not looking at the course. I'm not looking at the curves and the obstacles and, and the length. And I'm not looking at at the, the toughness of that race. I'm looking to Jesus and I'm not just looking to him because he's at the finish line and I'm not just looking to him because he's at the, the starting line. I'm looking to him because he's right there with me every step of the way. 